Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Let's Run.com Track Talk podcast. This is Jonathan Galt, Weldon Johnson, and Robert Johnson will be with me shortly. Actually, I have bad news. We're not going to do a podcast this week. Nothing happened in the running world. Go away. It's the 8th of January. There's nothing to talk about. Just check back next week. John, 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 please. I have some breaking news. There's plenty to talk about. Don't be a sourpuss just because your New England Patriots are out of the NFL playoffs. Lots to talk about this week, actually. Well, we've come up with a lot. I have personally come up with a lot. We will have news on Galen Rupp's coaching search. I have an update on that. Well, thanks to you, actually, John, but I'm going to put that in this podcast. We will be talking about the Houston half fields and Milrose mile fields. They are both out. We're going to have some bold predictions for the new year. And we're even going to interview Weldon's mother-in-law. Yes, folks, it's January 8th. It might be the slowest news week of the year, but we've come up enough with enough to entertain you for at least an hour. Well, I sort of resent how that was presented that my mother-in-law would only be on in the slowest news week of the year. That is not how that went about, Kathy. Love you. Very entertaining segment. That'll be at the end. She's got some insight on track and field and what we need to do to make it popular. So where should we start? Robert, sounds like you, uh, you have a direction you want to go in. The stick to the running crowd may be a little bit upset, John, but I think we need to start with the NFL. This is John's first podcast of the year, folks. Remember, he's been on vacation for two weeks. And I just want to think about, uh, I think sometimes it's hard to think back, to look back, you know, how much has changed in a very short period of time. When John was last on this podcast, he assumed he would be coming back to the podcast. Not much in his world would have changed. The Patriots would have, of course, beaten the Miami Dolphins and they'd be preparing for their first playoff game this weekend at home at Foxborough Stadium. Instead, folks, the Patriots have lost not only to the lowly Dolphins to lose their first round by, they have now also lost to the always 9-7 and seven Tennessee Titans. John, the fans out there want to know, how are you doing mentally? They don't want this to impact your, your, your great work that you do on Let's Run.com. How are you doing, John, as a person? Surprisingly okay, I think. On Saturday night, I was pissed, uh, as I'm sure most members of Patriot Nation were, but... Uh, I do have those six Super Bowl championships to fall back on. Uh, the The biggest thing, obviously, is the uncertainty. Usually, when the Patriots lose in the playoffs, it does happen from time to time. We, You think, okay, we're bringing back Brady, Belichick, the whole crew's coming back together for another run. And this year, you just don't know. Brady's contract's up. Devin McCourty's contract's up. Josh McDaniels could be going to the Browns. The whole team could look different next year. Or we could bring back Brady and go for one more run. And I, I actually do think if they bring back Tom Brady, even though he'll be 43 years old, and improve the receiving core, they could contend for a Super Bowl as soon as next year. But they could also choose to rebuild and blow it up. I, I don't really know what's going to happen. So that that's really the, the biggest feeling is just one of uncertainty. John, my apologies. I moved to New England and technically, for the first time ever, could root for the Patriots, and you guys bombed out. But my wife said she's done watching NFL. No more watching NFL this year. She was so upset by the loss. 
And I, I'm gonna I'm gonna go along with that as well. I'm gonna protest the NFL for five days starting last Saturday. So that's my that's my stand of solidarity with you. I'm definitely not doing that. I mean, I, I like football too much to do that. We got Tennessee against Baltimore. That'll be fun. And John, he said a five day ban starting last Saturday, so he would be eligible to. Oh, <laughs> sorry, I didn't get the joke. I, yeah, well then, well, we're all really proud of the suffering you're gonna put yourself through. Can we also can we do a little dancing here as Cowboys fans, folks? We are back. John's got six Super Bowls. We've got five next year. We of course will have six. We have finally solved all of the problems. The separation between GM and coach have been solved after the new coach spent the night at the GM's house. I'm sure he and then signed the contract the next morning. I'm sure now he will. All the players will realize who calls the shots. You know, it's the man who hosts the sleepover, not the actual head coach. Well, I just love this was the quickest coaching search in history. But when you think about it, because Jason Garrett was basically Schrodinger's coach and was both fired and not fired at the same time. They were they they announced that he was fired on what Sunday, and then the next morning, immediately Mike McCarthy is announced as the head coach. It's crazy to me. You said you, you said you're dancing. You might be the only person in the world who's dancing that the Cowboys hired Mike Mahia, Mike McCarthy. He's not. It doesn't really seem like a sexy hire. It was a bit of sarcasm. I'm actually. I thought McCarthy, not knowing much about him, uh, I, except for my friend who's a big Green Bay fan, I thought he hated him. And then my friend said, no, he's actually a pretty good coach. He just doesn't adjust well mid games. And then I did some research on him. I, I'm not. That seems like a pretty glaring flaw. Hey. You're not going to get a genius unless you're getting Belichick. So, you know, we're, we're not going to win like nine Super Bowl, go to nine Super Bowls in the next 20 years. But is he? he's already won one Super Bowl. Is he good enough to win a Super Bowl? Yes, he is. And he said he's going to hire an analytics staff. He does that, gets a little in-game analytics. Maybe I'll Super get a Bowl. job. Super Bowl, baby. Yeah. We always, you know, call out to Alberto Salazar. Assume he's listening to the podcast. Jerry Jones, you're listening to the podcast. Roger and myself, we'll come in there and help you with a little, little analytics, you know, econ at Yale or Princeton. Take your pick. Clearly, it didn't work out for Princeton with Jason Garrett, so I think you should go with Yale. We're just a little bit one step ahead. But, John, cheer you up. It's time for you to confirm. Look into your PayPal account right now, John. There should be some money in the account. We don't need to see the amount. The tips are there, John. I can confirm the tip has been received. Robert and Weldon have doubled it. I thank you. I thank everyone listening and continue to donate. But if you have donated, I really appreciate it. Now, everyone, don't donate now. There is one shocking development in the tip jar. The biggest tip John received, in case you guys are just joining us uh, in the last podcast of the year, we said anything in the tip jar up to $5,000, we would double Personally, it let's run and give to John. Assuming it did not come from Jonathan's relatives or friends. Yes. If his relatives and friends tipped him out, well, they didn't reach the 5000 Growing up, I was always told, never discuss someone's salary or money or, or whatever. So I don't think we should say the amount, but we may reopen this again. But the biggest thing was there was a shocking tip from a very prominent person in the running community Wait, 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 wait. Don't reveal their name, Weldon. Don't reveal their name. John, the biggest tip, I'm not going to tell you who, but the biggest tip of all was from a world marathon major champion. And I don't want to reveal their name because clearly they're listening to the podcast because how else would they know about the tip jar? 
So we want to thank this World Marathon Major Champion for donating. We should have actually led the podcast with this. And we'd like to have you on the show next week. It's still going to be a slow news week for maybe five minutes. See what inspires you about Jonathan Gall to part with your hard-earned money and give to John. John, congratulations. You have fans at the highest levels. of. Yeah, I've, n- I've narrowed it down to it's one of two people. It's either Galen Rupp or Alberto Salazar. Surely one of those two has to be the World Marathon champion, Major McChampion, who is my anonymous benefactor. So uh, we'll have a Miss Havisham interview next weekend if we can reach out to them. Uh, actually, speaking of Galen, so right now it's January 8th. We have seven and a half weeks until the Olympic trials. And I posed this question on Twitter. Anyone know who's coaching Galen Rupp? Any idea who the you know most famous successful marathoner in the United States is being coached for ahead of you know one of the most important years of his career? Anyone know that? I've got an idea. I'm sure I've got the same idea. Robert, I can't wait to hear Robert. <laughs> He's got some conspiracy theory. or Lay your hot take on me, Robert. No, I don't want to lay it on. I want you to reveal to the fans the information you have. From- yeah, well, it's it's not an update, really. But I wanting to know this, I reached out to Ricky Sims, who's Galen's agent. And I was like, essentially, can you tell me? You know, we're he's certainly well into his trials buildup. Uh, who's coaching him? And he told me Galen's doing great and back fit, healthy and on schedule for the Olympic trials. So that's a minor piece of news, given that he did have to drop out of the Chicago Marathon due to a cough, a cough strain and... When he spoke on the NXN broadcast, it sounded like his rehab from that hadn't gone fantastic. So he is back training. It sounds like he's doing well. And then Ricky said he has not yet made any public announcements about his, about his coaching setup. And then I had some people on Twitter tell me that they were on like Tim Robry, who's a former MOP assistant's Instagram stories, and that he was holding a watch for Galen or something, or that Pete Julian might have been there as well. That's really all we have to go off. But right now, I, I honestly don't know who's coaching the best marathon in the United States. John, you seem overly concerned by this. This guy's run several marathons. He's going to have the, the workouts that he did. He can just do what he's done in the past. But this, when I read this, I think exactly what I thought. So Alberto's coaching him just like he did before. He's not holding the watch. He can't watch him. But he probably goes over to Alberto's house and says, what do you think of this? Let's make this official. Our Alberto Salazar segment. When they turn into the park, it seems like the wind might be in their face. It's Salazar, Salazar, Salazar. I'm I'm not concerned as it relates to his marathon preparation. I'm sure even if Galen was coaching himself, he'd still be the favorite. I'd still trust that, you know, he's been coached by Salazar for so long, he knows what to do. But I just find it, you know, it's kind of crazy. Like, this is just sort of the paranoia I think sometimes around Galen is he doesn't like giving any information. He doesn't like talking to the media. He doesn't do social media. He doesn't like talking about any of this stuff is telling is saying who's coaching you. Even if it's, I haven't totally, I'm coaching myself. I'm still looking for a coach is giving that a state secret. I don't know. I just think it's like, I'm what I'm frustrated about is what the hell is this statement from Ricky Sims? He has not yet made any public announcements about his coaching setups. No shit, Ricky. That's why we're emailing you for, you know, <laughs> we're asking you for this advice. It's not like we don't follow the sport and know whether he's announced a coach or not. So, well, yeah, but no, but that's that. Look, that's his non-answer. Galen doesn't want to say it, so he didn't say it. Like, I'm not going to crucify him for giving me that statement. Why doesn't he just say then he hasn't picked a coach or he's picked a coach, doesn't want anyone to be public or, you know. Even that might be too much information to reveal. So, 
I mean, do you guys have a problem with Alberto still writing the workouts? Yes. He's banned. The rules say he's banned by the, for the, from the sport. He's not allowed to coach anyone. This will be a violation of that ban. So, yes, I have a problem with it. What if Galen post, you know, does his workouts, posts them on Strava, puts a real detailed thing how I feel, and Alberto just on Twitter said, just post, hey, if I was coaching someone, this is how I would do it. If Galen Rupp, like, I feel like if Galen Rupp posts his own workouts on Strava, I feel like I'd chop my own arm off. That's never going to happen. It's weird because we are some of Alberto's biggest credits. If he's giving the workouts, I could really care less. I guess he can't go hold a stopwatch, can't go out there every day. And I never thought about how tough this ban is going to be from, for Alberto. I mean, this was the guy's livelihood. This is what he'd love to do. And now he can't do it. And I thought, oh, they kind of got him a technicality. I mean, this is crushing for him. Four years out of the sport. I just, it's sort of kind of hitting home. And think of all the Russian coaches who were banned when. The, the doping sanctions came down. So many of them just kept coaching their athletes because they couldn't stay away from the sport. That's basically the only thing they had going in their lives. So these race walking guys would just show up at the track and keep coaching because they're like, what else are they going to do all day? And Alberto, I'm not saying Alberto is doing that, but I feel like he probably has those same, that, that longing to continue coaching. But who knows what he's been up to. Holy Fs. Guys, we forgot the lead at the podcast. A lot of these people, podcasters, may not be reading everything in Let's Run. They may not be on the forum. Some people go back to back on the podcast, like one podcast is released to the other. We need to make breaking news, a major correction from last week's show. I just realized this huge correction. Folks, hopefully you're sitting down. If you're driving a car, please slowly pull over. This may shock you. We don't want you to have an accident. On last week's podcast, we, we gave out Runner of the Week award. We didn't give it to you, John. We temporarily gave it to you. And then we gave it to employee 1.1, Steve Soprano, for running a sub-five-minute mile for the 17th consecutive year. Almost zero training, a 4.59. And I casually mentioned, I said, you know, these splits are so bizarre, Steve. Yeah, Steve went out, in case you guys didn't hear. And at the Albany Civic Center, which is not four laps to mile, it's like six laps to mile each lap isn't 400 meters went and ran had a guy pace him he marked it off 459.6 or something like couldn't believe it that he broke five he thought he was off pace yeah because the splits were like 66 and he's like well that wasn't right it was really a 71 because they had the marking wrong and then 237 and 352 and i thought i was gonna run like a 520 but i picked it up and somehow it was 459 so i kind of casually said i think on the podcast or maybe to him personally like steve you really should just go out and run another five-minute mile early in the year on a real track so people don't have any doubt about this. And I think this puts something into his head. And it comes out. Steve called up earlier in the week and has confessed. He did not run a full five-sub-five-minute five, five mile. He didn't even run a mile. He realized it as he was going number two at his house. This is like Breaking Bad. This is when Hank realizes, you know, he has his realization on the shitter. Guys, my mother-in-law is listening to this podcast. You know. I said number two. I said it said awesome. anything out, outrageous. Sorry, I said the word shitta, and then I said it again. And should we be explaining like who Galen Rupp is for the casual listener? No, if you're listening to Let's Run.com podcast, I don't think you need to know. He said he was on the, on the toilet, and he thought 
he started replaying the race in his head, and he's this is like a I think it's like a hockey arena or a basketball. He he realized he'd been running there for years. And he's like, I knew it was more than six laps in a mile. I just did I just rewatching the race in my head, and I'm like, we only did five point seven five laps. There's no way it was even a mile. So it ended up being short, and the streak is over. And folks, this is actually last week I was praising about how it represented Steve. He was still running hard, even though he thought he had no chance. But this is even a better representation of the sport as, as it is now. Because what is the – I think my new number one mantra, you know, talent goes away. I always used to say talent doesn't go away. Now I have a caveat. Talent doesn't go away unless you're a high school girl. Way to crush those dreams, Rojo. Yeah. My, 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 my mantra now is if something seems too good to be true, it is. I mean, these splits didn't make any sense. And guess what? They don't make any sense because it was short. I, I knew the Abu Dhabi marathon was short. I got that right. Like I used to say, you don't even need a drug test to know who's on drugs because you can just look at the results. So, well, the biggest missed opportunity here is that Steve actually came out and we're admitting this and he's owning up to it because we could have had a 10,000 post message board thread examining his splits and going studying the Albany Civic Center and all this stuff. This is a huge missed opportunity for Let's Run.com. I'm a little disappointed that the Let's Run.com sleuth didn't expose this before Steve did. But it shows the character we hire here at Let's Run. I mean, Steve exposing himself. <laughs> Imagine if he didn't, though, and they figured it out. <laughs> he would have been absolutely crucified. Oh, I mean, that's what I'm saying. This thread would have gone down. It would have been the thread of the decade within the first month of 2020. But actually, speaking of exposing people for, uh, for things and double standards, I received information in the past week that Weldon Johnson... Something that we've criticized USATF for in the past, letting in athletes without the qualifying standard, that Weldon Johnson, in one of his previous appearances at a USATF championship, was allowed into the meet without a qualifying standard. Weldon, what do you say to these accusations? The accusations are true, John, and I backed it up with a fourth-place finish, beating Abdi Abdurrahman. Still a contender for the Olympic trials at over age 40, the greatest race of my life. Thank you. If you back it up, it doesn't matter, baby. What meet was this? Give us the information. This was the 2003 USATF 10,000 meter championships. Weldon's last appearance at a USA track championships. We did place fourth, beating Abdi and, 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 and earning a spot on the Pan Am Games team. It shows the quality of Let's Run, how we celebrate fourth place like it's like won the gold medal. <laughs> well, <laughs> everyone does except for John. John doesn't think fourth should be on the podium. And then CAs, but Weldon and I are actually obviously gonna, we're going to advertise for four medals at the Olympics and four spots at the Olympics as well. So Weldon can be retroactively put on the 2003, well, world championship team. Wait, what I want I want to know is how did you actually get in? How did you get in without the standard? Okay, so if someone can correct me because my memory, I think the Steve story shows, you know, we give the benefit of the doubt to people we know and our memories can sort of change. You can forget things, that sort of thing. If my memory serves me correctly, they changed the qualifying window. They originally said it would go back like a year and six months and making this up. And then while the window was open, they said, oh, we're only going to do a year. And there's not that many times to run a 10K. And I was kind of borderline to begin with, but that cut off some of my time. So I'm like, look, I would have qualified. Now I have to go run an extra race. I actually flew out to Canada and ran a race trying to qualify. Harry Jerome and dropped out, I think, or got lapped or something terrible. So I... But I wrote a letter hoping to back up, and they let me in. They're, I'm like, look, I did well two years ago. You guys changed the qualifying window. 
So the qualifying window would have taken a time that would have gotten you in. Then they changed the qualifying window after the qualifying had already started. And and that took out that past year's time, correct? Correct. So I'd only run about 29 minutes. That's on them. I mean, if that's if that's what actually happened, you would I actually support you getting back in. We probably would have written a mean editorial about them changing the you know moving the goalposts. I remember being in. This was in Sacramento, I think, and I get a phone call from someone, and they're like, "Because let's run it started in," and someone's like, "Hey, I'm a coach of so and so. You know, how'd you get in the meet? You actually have run slower this year than him, and it's not like either one of you guys is going to do anything in this race." but it'd be a good experience. And I remember being furious. And this is when I get mad when Robert like sort of discounts some people's chances and stuff. And I guess he's just being an analyst, but I was like, what? Not going to do anything in the race. I'm like, I didn't quit my job three years ago to like train for the Olympics and give up all this stuff to not do anything. Like I'm going to, I got fourth two years ago. I'm going to do something in this race. And I actually went out and did it. But to me, that just shows like, I don't know, each athlete, you, you got to have your dream and, don't forget it. So Mary Kane, she's dreaming of the Olympic marathon trials. So you guys don't think it's going to happen, but if she doesn't think it's going to happen. It will. Happen. Well, not the Olympic marathon trials, but the Olympic trials, Olympic track trials, excuse me. Breaking news, Mary Kane, Olympic marathon trials. Just kidding. Oh, she's not, she's not just dreaming of, of the trials. Well, then she said on Chris Chavez's podcast, she's dreaming of the Olympics themselves, the Olympic games in Tokyo. What do you, what else do you want a girl who made the world? Well, no, no, I, 14, 15 years old or 16 years old to dream of. Yeah. I, I, I've listened to the first 15 minutes of the podcast and I almost fell out of my chair when she said that. But then I thought about it. I want to issue an apology to Mary. Bolden's like, yeah, what else would you be dreaming of? I don't think this is going to end well. I don't think she's going to even make the trials, let alone make the team. But I thought about it and it reminded me in some ways of myself. I didn't run in high school. I didn't even run in I ran in high school a little bit. I was hurt all the time. Senior year, I think I ran like three days a week and was like the fourth guy on the team. College, I was hurt most of the time. I won the intramural mile championships. But I got back into running after college. I knew Weldon was good. He was my genetic eagle, and I used to beat him. And I didn't want to have any regrets. I didn't want to look back and think, what if? How good could I be? You know, I knew I was only young once. I didn't want to think about – I probably thought, like, I'm probably not going to make the Olympics, but how do I know? And to get rid of that what if question I think is a powerful thing. So I'm glad that Mary is going for it. I, I, I support that. So I used to think it was like a setup for, for disaster. I still think it's a setup for disaster in terms of it's unlikely to happen. I hope she realizes that. But I applaud the, hey, this is what we're going for aspect of, of her dream. One last thing about Weldon's race. Weldon's right. I am jaded and down about like running being mental. Weldon thinks you can mentally become a better runner and stuff like that. And this is actually the one race where – like he had dropped out of some races. He hadn't done anything. I guess he had run 2854 before this thing, but his training hadn't been going right. And I remember when we dropped him off, we used to drop him off like literally like 45 minutes before the race to warm up. Like we're still parking. And me and this guy, Iron Mike, God, Iron Mike, if you're listening to this podcast, where have you been? I would love to hear from you, by the way. Our, our roommate in flag stuff, like we drop him off and, and he's like, we're like, is there any, any point in going in there to watch this thing? Like we were expecting a slaughterhouse for Weldon to just get destroyed. And somehow he got fourth in the country. So dream bag, folks. If you've got years of running behind you, sometimes your training may not be going perfectly, and you can still come up with a big one.
Okay, so, well, we got our Salazar and Rupp mentioned. We got our Mary Kane mentioned out of the way. I'm going to say the word Vaporfly, and hopefully we don't need to say anything more about that topic this week. No, 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 no. <laughs> While we're making corrections about last week's show, I've been thinking more about the Hakon Ekaden, and we talked a lot about the Vaporflies and how the course record was destroyed at that thing. I don't think we made big enough of a deal about that. This is one of the most popular road races in the world. There are millions of people, fans, on site at that thing. The TV ratings, it approaches 30% of the televisions in Japan. I, this may be the most popular road race in the world. It could be bigger than London or New York. Think about it. Well, TV ratings, yeah, for sure. Anyways, this is a gigantic race. It's historic. It dates to like 1920, I think. Shit, this might have been the. I know the first one was 1917, and I think the Hakone started three years later, but they would have been celebrating this is the 100. It must have stopped for the war or something. Anyways, it's roughly 100 years of history. And people are breaking historic records, and it doesn't mean anything because the vapor flies. And the runners are admitting that. It's just there's no historical comparisons. It's still going to be a great, compelling thing for the teams each year. But it really, I don't know. It kind of, it would be like, imagine if someone hit 75 home runs and said, oh, I don't care because it's, in the, it's the age of the roided up baseball. Uh, I don't need to imagine that. Barry Bonds hit 73 in 2001. And well, that was in, in, in the, the people still made a big deal of him breaking the record. They didn't know that it was roids. Yeah. Um, no, well, Robert, I'm going to ask you this. Consider a year, a, a race such as uh, a major marathon in East Coast United States City that is a point-to-point race and more downhill than up. And there's a massive tailwind, perfect tailwind, in fact, and perfect running conditions. And the times in that race are so fast. And they there's no historical comparison. One of them's fast. It's fast. The winner of the men's race runs faster than the existing world record. No one ever approaches these times on this course again. Are you upset? Are you mad at the weather? What What do you feel about this? I understand what you're saying, jo- Jeffrey Mutai, and whatever. No, and I want to analyze the wind for for a code. I'm going to actually try to figure out how much w- the wind played a factor here. But anyway, I'm just saying this is something we have going forward. You know. And again, it's John Kellogg. He he did help me become more pro Vibrofly. He's like, look, we've always wanted faster shoes, and now we have them. That's a good way to think about it. Again, assuming everyone has access to them. What was interesting to me about this shoe, and we didn't talk about this in the podcast, is these colleges are sponsored. I know it's not the same thing as a pro having an individual contract, but 19 of the 21 teams went Vaporfly. And I really, at the U.S. Olympic trials, I mean, again, you know, we're less than two months away from that. It's going to be interesting to me. I mean, if I'm Jared Ward, I know he's done a lot of research, and Saucony has their version. He's run 209 in it. But, damn it, I'm not running in a shoe. That I don't, if I don't think it's as good as that Vaporfly or Next Percent or whatever it's called, I'm begging my sponsor to let me race it. The sponsors did the right thing and let these guys wear it in Hakone. And, I, I, you know, I, I hope that these people do it. Actually, it, it's on the shoe companies at this point. If they're not unwilling to let their athlete wear the best shoe – even if it's not their shoe, and they don't make the Olympic time, I'm not going to have any sympathy for them. And I'll, I'll, I'll credit the guy who makes it all in the paper Well, so never accuse Robert of being anti-Nike. He wants everyone to wear Nike shoes, even if you're not sponsored by Nike at the Olympic trials. All right, guys, one news development we did get this week. Houston Half Marathon announced its elite fields. That is not this weekend. It's next weekend. 
But there are some good races there, and it's just six weeks before the Olympic trials, which means it's going to be pretty good preview, certainly for some of the for some top stars, and we'll get to that in just a minute. Yeah, but great preview. What Molly Huddle, Jordan Hesse. You're kind of showing your cards if you're racing six weeks out. And speaking of six weeks out, we're now just a little under eight weeks, seven plus weeks to the Olympic Marathon Trials. All the West runners need to be there. Olympic Marathon Trials, February 29th and March 1st. There is the Publix Atlanta 5K Half Marathon and Marathon, a great race that, hey, Let's Run Nation should do. I, I, I guess... Do I have to run the 5K if I keep plugging this thing? But seriously, the Olympic Marathon Trials, it's what running in the United States is about. It's the birth of Let's Run. You need to be there and run the race the next day. But if you're not on the East Coast or don't want to travel, you now have an out. There is the Can-Am Cup in Victoria, British Columbia, one of my favorite places on the world, British Columbia. They are hosting the Pan-Am XC Cup. That's for national teams but there's an open race as well for masters 30 and up you can compete for team usa it's open so if like 30 guys from usa run and 30 guys from canada in five-year age groups like you're on your team usa it sounds like a tremendous course so check that out both these links will be in the show notes and if you want a great pair of running shoes remember let's run.com slash shoes for the best running shoe reviews on the planet and we're doing our quarterly call for shoe reviews Hundreds of you guys have submitted shoe reviews. Keep them coming in and check out the freshest reviews there and find the best price on your running shoe. Well, you, you teased it. Let's get to some of these fields. The women's I mean, both fields in the half marathon are always pretty good in Houston. They bring in some nice international talent. I mean, you've got Caroline Kipkarui, who's run 105.07. Lona Salpeter of Israel, 106. 09, Galita Burker of Ethiopia, 106.11. I mean, Rudy Aga, she's a major marathon champion. But I think what Americans are most interested in, American distance running fans, women's race, Molly Huddle, Jordan Nassay, and the fastest American marathoner of 2019, Sarah Hall. Th- those are the three biggest names on the women's side. Alephine Tulimux also entered. Laura Thweets entered. But I think, yeah, six weeks out from the Olympic trials, that's going to be a really good show test of, you know, who's fit. Is Jordan to say how serious was that injury she suffered in Chicago? Is she back at a high level? I, I think this is going to be a really exciting women's race. So how many of the big women, U.S. women there again, John? Say that again. Sarah Hall, Molly Huddle, and Jordan to say. I would say those are, if we're saying the big, what, do we have a big big five with those two, what, those three and uh, Amy Craig and Des Linden? Or am I shorting Kellen Taylor again? Should she be in that top group as well? I mean, there's a, there's a lot of good women, but those three, I think, are all serious contenders to make the team. Yeah, I mean, those three, that could be your Olympic team, right? We wouldn't be shocked. I mean, yeah, Des Linden and others you expect to be on the team. but if, Oh, Emily Sisson, too. Yeah, I forgot about her. I mean, If you said that's your Olympic team, no one would be shocked. So the fact all three are going head-to-head, it's kind of expected, but also you're showing your cards. So, John... The reason why I made you repeat that was I was scrolling down the men's list. You sent us the link here, and my brain was going crazy. Men's list has some, I think, eight guys under one hour, which is, you know, standard for this type of race. I mean, pretty impressive. Tolish Shura Katata, Jake Robertson, I think, won the race in the past. Uh, 58 uh Jamal McConan, or whatever. Jamal Yimmer, 58 tied for fourth fastest ever. I was looking at the Americans, Jared Ward. 
not a surprise. Big name. See the kind of shoes he's wearing. And then I saw a name, and I'm like, what the F? This, I thought this guy was retired. Sam Cholenga? Yeah. What? I saw this too. Uh, I didn't didn't make any sense to me because, yeah, he said he was retired from the sport and he was joining the army. And so I looked up his results. He actually did race in October. He ran 50-19 for 10 miles at the army 10-miler. And then I texted him. I'm like, Sam, what's what's going on? He, I, I thought you were retired, man. And he has not gone back to me yet. So if anyone knows if Sam Chalanga is actually fit or if he's planning on running this race, I, mean, I don't know. I don't John, what are you talking about? Does anyone know? Yes, we know. He's entered in the race. Oh, I guess. It, well, do we know he's fit? I, I want to know why. He, why is he doing this? I assume he's trying to make the damn Olympic team. John, update. You don't do this unless you're trying to make the Olympic team. Or at least make the trials. Does he have to get a trials qualifier? I, I, you know, I don't even know what he's done the last. Yeah, he needs a trials qualifier. Within right? the window. And I, real quickly, I just Googled no, him. No, no, he, well, he ran 61. And I pulled up a different Sam Chalinga, farmer in Kenya. But he said he needs a break. That was on October 29th. So. Sam ran 61-23 in the half marathon in March 2018. That's within the window, right? I think he's already got a qualifier. I, I don't see any way he makes the team. Because he's never he, he's never really delivered on the marathon potential. I mean, if you look at the marathons he's run, his PR is two fifteen oh two from Chicago in twenty seventeen. Then he ran two twenty one in London in twenty eighteen. He's run sixty thirty seven and a half, and he he ran that in Houston in twenty twenty eighteen. But I don't know. I don't really view him. There's too many other good marathoners. I think Chewing is a twenty seven oh eight ten thousand meter runner. How many time NCAA champion? That pedigree can make the U.S. Olympic marathon team. You're right; he hasn't done anything the marathon, but maybe some time away from the sport. He joined the real army, made him just be like, "Wait, I love running. I have unfinished business." And I get back to if the athlete with superb talent is motivated, you never can count him out. I think you can look at the people he has to beat. All right, we have four studs. We have Galen Rupp. We've got Jared Wall. We've got Scott Fable. We've got Leonard Correa. You're telling me he's beating two of those guys and everyone else in the field? Sorry, it ain't happening. John, what do we? What, what's the mantra? Talent doesn't go away. I know he's done nothing in the marathon. That does make me nervous. But we don't even Hend- know how much he's been training. Remember Hendrick Ramallah? He didn't do anything in the marathon for a long time either. Then he finally won you it. This guy, look at his PRs, John. Thirteen oh four. From 24, that was from six years ago. It was from, that was actually indoors. You're right. January 16th, 2014. Um, 13 4 indoors. That's sick. 2708. 10 years ago. Well, you guys know how old he is? He's probably like 36, 34. All right. It's about to turn 35. John, let me tell you something that wasn't 10 years ago. Are you ready? Yeah. 60. 37. For I the just half said marathon. that. He ran that two years ago in Houston. In Houston. You don't think that's good enough to beat Jared Ward? I'm sorry, Jared. Start quaking. <laughs> yeah. And the breaking news, the Olympic, the 2020 Olympic marathon trials are going to be held in March 2018, which is great news for Samuel Chilang. Oh, wait, no, no. They're actually going to be held in February 2020. Robert, come on, man. Let's be realistic. Let's talk about some of the other people who actually could make the team. Shadrach B. Watts running this race. John, the date, the date isn't what's significant to me. It's the distance. Not only... It'd be nice if they ran a half marathon trials. I think Sam might have a chance. The full marathon makes it harder for him. But I do think he's excited. He's motivated. And I'm not ruling him out. You don't know anything about it. We don't know how serious he's taking this. He's His name is literally listed on this elite race. That's all we know about it. Hey, it gives me something to talk about on January 8th. 
Yeah, John. I mean, the podcast was so much better without John on it. He, he's yeah. We could just deal in fantasy land and not have to worry about facts. John, people don't really want facts. They want hyperbole. They want Stephen A. They want Skip Bayless. And wow, the tip jar Robert I instituted last week for ourselves was unbelievable. I thank everyone for their support. Thousands. That's again. That I'd love to see. That's that's more make believe fantasy talk from Weldon. All right. Wait, 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 wait. So this Chunga thing makes me realize he was 26 when he won his last NCAA title. He was quite old in college. Unbelievable. I didn't realize that. Was that known fact, or did his age change after he graduated? No, I think that was people knew that. Well, he said he told me when I wrote a story about him. He said he made himself older because he wanted to join the Kenyan Air Force. So he's actually he said he's actually younger than he's listed. I think he said he's only like a year or two younger. Well, I'm always root for the underdogs. Chilinga's now an underdog. If he actually runs this Houston thing, even more intrigue. Another reason you guys need to be in Atlanta. All right. So let's talk about some people who actually could make the team. Jared Ward, for sure. Shadrach Biwat, Diego Estrada. Uh, then you got some longer shot. Well, Jer- Jarrell Mock. So he, he was uh, 210 in, in Chicago. Uh, Reed Fisher's in there. Matt Yano. You know, Footsome Zionist Lassie, that's kind of interesting. Brogan Austin, U.S. Marathon champ in 2018. And then you got a couple Canadians running. Oh, Tyler Pinnell, he's in there. He was uh, fifth at the last Olympic trials. And Grant Fisher, the guy who went to Colorado State, not the Bowman guy. Oh, I was like, how did I miss this? <laughs> I'm gonna, I know, I'm going to pull that. It's like Adrian Peterson who used to play on the Bears and everyone, you know, you pick him on your fantasy. Someone would pick him on their fantasy team and, and accidentally. Um, and then Cam Levins is also running Canadian marathon record holder, Leroy Linklater. So a uh, Canadian rivalry there. But it, I mean, again, I think it's going to be interesting you, when, uh, what was it? When I'm trying to remember what year it was. So Houston, Houston's just a good indicator. If someone rips a half marathon there, you know, they're going to be pretty good shape. And if someone runs, it's not always a bad sign. If they run terribly, you don't know how seriously they're taking it, but it'll be good to see these guys in action and sort of get the juices flowing ahead of Atlanta. You mentioned a couple of names and one won't be at the trials, Cam Levins, but I feel like Cam and Diego Estrada, their upside was so big a few years ago. And now it's sort of like, whatever. I mean, Cam did run, I think 209 a couple years ago. And Diego, I see ran 211 this year in Chicago. And some of those names you were mentioning, John, like the 211 guys in Chicago, I just totally were dismissing them. But a guy with Diego's pedigree, I give more chance. But some of the Vaporfly 211s in Chicago, I'm like, oh, no chance. But if they continue to wear the shoes and other guys aren't wearing the shoes, like I should probably put them on a higher plane. I still don't think any of those guys are going to make the team. But the shoe question, some of the independent guys might have an advantage in Atlanta. It'll be pretty interesting. Well, Estrada interests me because in 2015, remember, he showed up to Houston. He blew everyone away. He won the U.S. title. He ran 60-51 in his first serious half marathon. And he's a guy who I, I just don't think really figured out the marathon. Like, the Chicago was really his first good marathon. And I think he'd been really aggressive and had big goals. And he sort of reeled it in a little bit and ran more conservatively in Chicago. So he, I think his upside's still there. And he's probably... He can't be much more than 30 years old, Diego Estrada. He's not that old. So he's a guy with potential, I think, will be kind of, you know, an interesting. Yeah, he's 30. He just turned 30. So he's sort of an intriguing dark horse for the trials. I mean, it's kind of interesting when you look at the trials. I mean, there's 15 guys, 15 Americans this year, thanks to the Vaporflies, broke 212. Well, not all of them were in Vaporflies. Two, three Americans broke 210, which was the huge barrier for many years. 
well, not many, but a few, and two of them were not wearing Vaporflies. So I think the Vaporfly, you know, obviously there's some deserved hype about it, but it's not the be-all, end-all. I think it would be hilarious, uh, or at least, you know, interesting if, you know, well, it wouldn't be hilarious if, like, Rupp got hurt or whatever, but say, like, Rupp is injured or has to drop out or something, and you get three guys not in Vaporflies making the team. And obviously that would require like Leonard Korea not to make the team either. It's probably not going to happen, but I think it would be very interesting if there's all this hype and then the whole, I mean, the whole women's team could be non vapor flies with. I don't, John, it's not the vapor fly. It's the technology. It, it, if everyone's wearing that technology, if we have the copycat shoes, I mean, it's like, if we're talking about high end sports cars, I don't really care whether it's a BMW or Mercedes, as long as they're roughly the same. Okay, guys, one bold prediction for myself before we turn to talking a little indoor track. I think last week John had the bold prediction that Elliot Kipchoge would lose a race. My bold prediction, Galen Rupp does not make the 2020 Olympic marathon team. That is very, very bold. Wow. I think mine actually, I think mine has a better chance of coming true than yours. I know it's a one-shot deal, but Rupp, I mean, at the domestic level, he almost always comes through. I think this would be the only, is well, you're just thinking health, right? You have to be. If he's healthy, he has to make the team. If he's healthy, he makes it. But I just sort of thought he's not going to have his coach. Maybe he's injured. What if he starts the race? Not having Alberto, how much that's going to affect him? I just God. I, I got kind of just in my head this week, and you said I want a bold prediction from you. So there it is. Uh, if that happens, someone needs to. I'm serious. I'm worried about Alberto's health. Like put him on a suicide watch or something. I mean, that could be bad although maybe that would be actually uplifting to alberto to realize how important he was to galen's success i'd be worried about the health of our message board server i mean every single thread on our message board would be about galen rupp going home devastated but one of the beauties of what's the early days of let run was the big events the message board would crash so that was just a sign of health for the company so the site could crash it would be interesting you know i mean i think that that's not happening Let's go to my bold prediction for the year, folks. My bold prediction is that I will actually run 100 miles in a month this year. Wow! So that that's almost that's almost four a day, right? I gotta. I haven't done the math, John. I'm just. I don't want to. I'll give you the longest month. So 31, 100 divided by 31. That's 3.2 miles per day. That's more than a 5k per day, Robert. And if you fall behind, those miles add up. So you gotta you gotta be committed. This is really hurting our brand equity. I remember when I was like a 25-year-old guy, and I'm like, oh, if I'm still running when I'm 40, thinking that was ancient, like, oh, my gosh. But then if I actually heard people on a respected running podcast talking about how they run 100 miles a week, I would just be like, what is wrong with these people? It goes badly. My advice is, Robert, save it. Make it like a, you know, do it in either May or like October because those are the best running months for running weather. You don't want to be doing it in the Baltimore summer I mean, I don't know, maybe if you run in the evenings and you don't want to be doing it in the winter. So that's my advice. That's just maybe a start. It could be 100 in one month and then it could be 100 a week. Shortly thereafter, folks, you'll see it soon. The mother-in-law interview is coming up. She knows I have the same genetics as Weldon. She's very bullish on Weldon's athletic potential, even in his mid to late 40s. <laughs> it has inspired me to move my, forward. My not at all bold prediction is that Robert will never run 100 miles in a week ever again. Wow. Oh, week, week, week. Okay. Yeah. Well, speaking of the mother-in-law, as you guys will hear later in her segment, one of her favorite races is the Milrose Games. 
She's been to the Milrose Games in the garden. We had to break it to her that the Milrose Games is no longer held in the garden. But the fields are out. Some of the fields are out. But the fields are out for the Wanamaker Mile. For the men's Wanamaker Mile, women's field is yet to be revealed. But let's run down the men. There are some, you know, there's some good names. Uh, there are only four Americans out of 13. Nick Willis is coming back. This is his eighth crack at Milrose. He's never won the Wanamaker Mile. Wait, 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 wait. Before I jump in. B- before I jump in, Weldon, you are jumping in. Sorry, sorry. Before... <laughs> there's only four Americans in 13 total. I have not seen the field. I just looked at the headline. So that means there's nine foreigners. Over, under that a Kenyan or Ethiopian, number of Kenyan Ethiopians in the field. I'm going to go with one. Yeah, I, I, I'm stumped. I, I haven't seen the fields either. I'm stumped. When John said there's only four and four Americans. I always feel like Milrose bills itself as the world's greatest mile, but they don't even bother. I know the Kenyans, a lot of them don't run any indoors, but they like, it's kind of like the Fifth Avenue mile. It seems like they go out of their way not to have anyone from Kenya because they don't want a Kenyan winning it. So you say one East African Weldon. Robert, what do you think? What's your prediction? But we can't count guys who like from Africa who are based in the U.S. Like, but I'm trying to think who is that that anyway. But I'm going to go with one. You got to come up with nine people though. Well, is it nine four? It's really hard. I'm really confused how they're going to we have got, nine. We've people. got a world indoors this year. Robert, give me a number. Three. You're both wrong. It is zero. God. Zero people from the continent of Africa in this race. Come on. They like people love Milrose, but it's really like a glorified. Well, I thought it was U.S., but only. Four Americans? Who's in the race? Like Irishmen? Uh, no Irish. We got we got two Aussies. Uh, we got two from New Zealand. We got F- Philip Ingebrigtsen from Norway. That's fun. Oh, that's a great one. Give me the whole field, please, John. Yeah, all right. Here's the field. So Ben Ben Blankenship, Jordy Beamish, NCAA champ from Northern Arizona, Johnny Gregoric, three forty nine miler, Charlie Grice, three thirty fifteen hundred Olympic finalist from Great Britain. Oliver Hoare, 2018 NCAA 1500 champion. Philip Ingebrigtsen, Eric Jenkins, Josh Kerr, who was sixth at the Worlds last year. Morgan McDonald, Sam Prakel, Chris O'Hare, Carlos Villarreal, who ran Arizona and now represents Mexico, and 36-year-old Nick Willis. Next year, should we at Let's Run? we got to start failing more, putting some stuff out there. We always talk about putting on races and this sort of stuff. Maybe we should just start small. We just... Pay some kidding guy. We're like, look, we will give you five grand. You need to be in shape for indoors. We'll fly you to Milrose. We'll make Milrose fly him in. Timothy Chariot. What if these guys are getting appearance fees for this thing? Look, we give him credit. Last year, Kajelstra came in and almost broke the world record. That was awesome. So you're not going to get that every year. It doesn't make any sense for a Kenyan to fly over here for no, for little to no money. Right. Right. Here's the other thing, though. I guess last it's what you want. Like this race, I think will be a competitive race for the win. Last year, going to the race, everyone knew Kajelcha was going to blow everyone away. It was very exciting, but it also wasn't competitive at all. So I do think you're going to have a more competitive race. Yes, I think it would be good if they had a few East Africans in there. Kind of wondering why Edward Cheserek isn't in there. Isn't this like the sort of race he would usually run? I'm wondering why he's not doing it. Um, you've also got a couple other fields have been released for this meet. Uh, the men's 3K, Paul Tanui. So you do have an African stud in that one. He's a four-time medalist in the 10,000. He's running it. Edwin Kurgat, the NCAA champ from Iowa State, is in there. Justin Knight, Hassan Mead in the women's 3K. Wayne Kaladi, the NCAA XC champ. Alicia Monson, Ali Ostrander, they're all in it. So, I mean, Milrose is going to be fun. There are some good races in there again. But, uh, yeah, it would be nice to see an East African in the, in the men's mile. 
I heard a big Sprint name will be coming out soon, so stay tuned for that. Speaking of New York races that are prominent, how about some love for the women's matchup at the Dr. Sander invite? I think it's maybe the 25th, John? What's the date of that? Yeah, 25th. They're going to have A.G. Wilson and Raven Rogers, second and third at Worlds, battling it out at the 800. Yeah, A.J. Wilson, but uh, I'm glad Weldon corrected you on that last week on the podcast. we got to have my know-it-allism. Oh, speaking of corrections from last week's podcast, I did take some notes. I, I went back and listened to see how we sounded without you, John. I was afraid it wasn't up to our number quality. Watch the tape, yeah. But I, I'm sure that – I haven't looked at the, at the ratings. I'm sure the ratings were way, way, way up without you. But um, Weldon talked about the polar challenge. It's not the right term. It's a polar plunge. Polar plunge. I should have corrected that. We needed you at the time. I feel like all of these things have their own names. I've heard of like the polar bear plunge, the polar bear challenge. We also asked what place, what what Bryce Hopple had done the year before. He was fourth at NCAA outdoors, I think, and eighth indoors. So, little corrections from last week. So, if you were if you were wondering, you know, hanging on every word from last week's podcast and wanted a week correction a week later, there you go. You just got it. Yeah, no, RJ Wilson versus Raven Rogers. That will be a great matchup. I mean, I'm. They're training partners, so you think like maybe they don't want to race each other that much, but I, I respect that. They actually they are getting out there and racing each other. It's not even a U.S. Tech championship. They're in the same race, so that's cool. Yep. As a former New Yorker, we're situated just miles away from the Army track. Two, like four subway stops. You might want to check out the Norb Sander invite. Caitlin Tui, the high school phenom, will be racing the pros there. And... You guys might want to look at that field. There might be another name coming out for that one shortly that I can sort of hint at. And high, another high school phenom, a thing Mo, is racing the 400 there. That's sort of interesting because in case you guys aren't familiar with that name, she set the 600 American record last year. And everyone assumed she'd be at 800 phenom. But I've heard some people contemplate that maybe at least now she should really should focus on the shorter event, the 400. Since this is kind of a slow week, I know we have some other things we're going to do, but maybe this is the week we should finally hear Weldon's favorite things about New York. He keeps forgetting to share those with us, John. Yeah. If not this week, it needs to come next week. What else do we have left? Weldon has a challenge for us, and I don't know what it is, so please enlighten us, Mr. Johnson. Yeah, I can do that. My favorite things in New York, I could probably do those off the cuff. But yes, the challenge. Last year in the year, I made a challenge to you guys, and... I just kind of off the cuff said, all right, screw it. Who wants to do a podcast every week? And both you guys committed. And what do we do? A podcast for every week. And now it's one of the things we like best. And I missed one podcast, I think, last year. And you guys were on the podcast. And on that podcast, there was this audio. And Robert was talking about teenage sensation Max Bergen racing the pros and finishing second to last and being pleased that he actually beat one guy. But he's like, he took on the pros. So here's the audio. He was willing to joke about not being last and how he nipped someone up the line. He acknowledged he'd been hurt and it just wasn't a great race for him. And I think, you know, one of the things I want to do with my son, and I read this in a profile of some famous person. I still don't know who it is, but I, this, this story is what I want to do with my own son. I want to ask him when he comes home from school once a week, what did you fail at this week? Failure is okay. It's part of life. You know what I'm saying? You're not, you're not shooting high enough if you're not willing to fail. So there it is, guys. I think once a week, we need to fail at something or try to succeed at something. So I'm throwing it out there. Robert, what are you going to fail at? What are you going to succeed at this week? 
And also, I think it's a good time for this sort of thing. Like New Year's, one thing I was reading about New Year's resolutions, people make these grandiose plans. They're going to do all of this. They're going to conquer the world. And they're like, no, start small. Start with something you can commit to. So I think of each week we commit to one thing or one of us wants to commit to something, we can do it. I've been saying I want to have a guest on all this stuff. I think that's too much. But like for this week, okay, I'm committing. I will email out the Let's Run.com newsletter. John has been trying to get me to get that going. I will send it out. I've been analyzing these different software things. I will get one newsletter out this week. We'll see how that goes. I'm also intrigued to try to bring on more more guests, but nope, that's my one thing that I'm putting out there publicly. All right, I, I got one. I've, I'm pretty out of shape after my 5K in the fall and my Media 800 in Doha. I'm going to do a tempo run. Planning on Friday. Hopefully the schedule works out, but I will do a tempo run this week. I've already failed this week. I tried to go to my fitness class that my wife gave me for Christmas. On the advice of a very famous runner friend of mine, I don't want to say his name because he may be embarrassed. Chris Lear. There's a thing called, oh God. He'd said that for me to get back into running, I first needed to join Orange Theory. And it's kind of like a class that's like 85% female. And you hop from the treadmills to like the rowing machines. And then you go and do like kind of some free weights and some plyos and stuff. And I've gone twice and I'm injured. So I have failed already, but I have a physical therapy appointment to get my hamstrings right. This 25-year-old woman crushed me on the treadmill. I've already failed. But this year, my bill predictions, I will start another website and write a book. Wow, Robert just dis. This <laughs> is like Robert's like basically saying like I'm gonna go to the moon. Are you actually? Uh, these are ridiculous predictions. I'm doing the opposite of what Walden said. Start small. Start small. Robert goes big. <laughs> How about you like purchase the URL this week or something, Robert? But those are big. All right, we're gonna hold Robert to it. We'll check in once a month on his book. All right, let's check back on January first, twenty twenty-one. Robert Johnson, the the unauthorized you know autobiography or whatever. Um. Okay, one thing I want actually speaking of predictions, one thing I wanted to run through before we get to the interview with Weldon's mother in law. World records. How many of them are gonna go down in twenty twenty? Uh I have the list, you can pull up the list and sort of look down them. I was telling Robert I was like track events or field events as well. Track and track and field. Um and let's count the marathon as well. What you know? How many do do we see going down? I, I guess let's just run through the the running events. Start with the men one by one. Hundred meters, Usain Bolt. That's not happening. Do we agree on that? Of course not. Yeah. Well, well, unless these new Nike spikes are. Oh yeah, that's the other thing. Well, that was the thing. Are the really new spikes supposed to come out? But like any event where you could improve it two percent, they should all go down. So this is why the shoe thing is so important. Hundred meters, no way. Yeah, 100, no. 200, no. People hyping it up with the Lyles thing. I don't think that's not going to happen. Um, I think 400 could go down. 4303 by Wade Van Niekirk. You, well, Robert is shaking his head firm. No. I think Michael Norman was basically at like 80% for most of 2019. He ran 434 in April. I think if he's healthy, he, he can absolutely break that record. Interesting you say that. If I had a pick, you know, now I'm kind of looking at the records and cumulative that one maybe even the 1500 the ones i'm going with i don't think the 800 is going but 100 200 not going 400 okay you open up my eyes maybe 800 no way 1500 maybe i could see 325 in monaco if chariot really goes after it i don't think that's out of the question 
400 hurdles. I mean, I I think a lot of people sort of was kind of thought it was going to be a given last year that it would go down. That one survived, but that one's probably going to get broken at some point, right? This is simple, guys. Let's don't go one by one. Uh, John, 400, you've made me think is is possibility. Actually, I'd love to see new spikes and have all the records go down. Then my move, then my then it'll give us podcast content for an entire year. It would be proven though, and also it would show you how dumb, how kind of it is bad to have these new shoes. But anyways, four hundred maybe four hundred. The four the, the but my two biggest on the men are simple: four hundred hurdles and men's steeplechase. Steeple? I don't know about that. Consensus Caprudo has never broken eight minutes, Robert. Do you realize that? I know it's not likely, but they're certainly not doing. I, I thought no way, fifteen, five, ten, any of those events. Four, there is a better chance of the four hundred world record going down than the steeple. Okay. Do you disagree? What is the steeple record? It's okay to disagree, Robert. It's a- what's the record? Eight fifty what? The, wait, the record in what event? Steeplechase. Seven fifty three point six three. It stood since two thousand four by Safe Sage. I don't think that's happening. Okay, four hundred higher than that. But the most obvious is four hurdles. For the women, uh, this is easy to me. I have two events that are the, clearly the easiest to break. Oh, and we're talking field events, though. I, I think I don't know enough about it, but I think maybe men's long jump or triple jump is possible. Uh, long jump, I don't know. I think you you need Echevarria getting back to his old. I mean, Tajay Gale actually did jump really far last year, but that was sort of out of nowhere. Uh, I think oh, tri- triple jump, Taylor's taken – runs at it but i feel like if he doesn't have it at this point he's probably not going to get it I, i'm kind of interested to see what Boshim can do if he can challenge the high jump now that he's healthy uh, it's 245 he's jumped 243 uh, in the past and shot put i know they're not that close to it but you know it was, they were two, 2290 well they're actually pretty, i mean it's 2291 was the winning market worlds the, and the shot put world record was 2312 so 22 centimeters is not insignificant but i could also see with uh, Ryan Krauser and Joe Kovacs and um, Tom Walsh all pushing each other, they could possibly approach that. Let's go to the women, Robert. I mean, some of these are unbreakable. Like Flojo, anything from 100 through 800 is just doped up, most likely, and is not going to get broken. I mean, or there's a questionable wind gauge. I mean, those runs may never get broken. I mean, think about the women, like 15. We think that was untouchable, and Sifan Hassan is close to it. So it'll be interesting to see who coaches her this year because I think we thought the Chinese records were untouchable, and then Dababa beat it. So I just don't know why we would be chasing the world record in the middle of an Olympic year. But they, they, you don't necessarily chase it. It happens organically. If you're the best in the world and you can run that fast. You Not run. in the 1500, it doesn't happen organically, I don't think. A sub three fifty women's fifty. Oh, 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 I thought you were talking about like sprints and stuff. Yeah, yeah. I mean that one you have to make a concerted effort. But she ran three fifty one in the world championship final. You telling me she couldn't run faster? Maybe women's four hundred hurdles went down twice. To me, it's obvious the two big most likely women's four hundred hurdles went down twice this year. It would not surprise me at all if it goes down next year. And then there's one distance event that I think is just ripe for the taking. I mean, it should have been broken by now easily. Five k. Yeah. 1411? Who's going to break it, though? Oh, Hassan, probably, yeah. I mean, 1411, I I don't think it's compared to, like, these other marks. Well. Well, the woman who broke, the the woman who owns the steeplechase world record is currently competing, Beatrice Chepkowicz. We just said she's our biggest lock for gold. I mean, 844, she'd have to go for a big solo effort, but she, I, I think she could do that. I mean, Committee Roads, like, I think the world, woman's half is vulnerable now that 
Bridget Koskai is running. Oh, yeah. You put Bridget Koskai in like Valencia or Copenhagen or something, she she destroys that record. It's only a question of whether she actually does it. So it sounds like we're in agreement. I mean, overall, 400-meter hurdles on both men's and women are the number one candidates to go down. Yeah. I'm sure women's field events, mm, I don't think any of these are really in danger. Yeah, there's a... Uh, maybe... Actually, Anita, I don't follow the hammer throw, so I don't know if Anita Wolodczyk is still throwing really far. No, Deanna Price won the hammer, so I, yeah, I don't, I don't think that world record... That world record may be outside chance, but I, I don't really know enough about the hammer to say anything. And I'm looking... My record list is on Wikipedia, and I'm kind of upset because Ilya Kipchoge's two runs are on here in a different color, and I'm like, they shouldn't be on here. They weren't valid. But I'm kind of glad they put some of these non-valid marks on there because did you guys realize the fastest steeple ever oh yeah it was it was uh was it brahim bulami who's yeah. he got busted for doping yeah yeah so seven fifty three seventeen by that so it's just stuff you sort of forget about because shaheen's world record's been there forever so i just think oh that's always been the record but bulami ran faster actually before that i didn't know that so all right i want a prediction out of you guys how many world records will be set at the 2020 Olympics? And sorry, I don't count the race walk. At the Olympics? Yeah. Well, there's, the max is two, both 400 hurdles. Why is that the max? Well, track and field, we just went through the event. There were three in the last Olympics in, in Rio. There were? 400. Olympic, the women's 10K, men's 400, women's hammer. Oh. I'm saying two, but... I don't know. I think we could see as many as four. It depends. If that's a super fast track and there's super spikes, we could see four or five. What's the deal with super spikes? I don't think I've really heard much about super spikes. There's some thought that there's a vapor fly of super spikes coming out. Yeah, like, well, some people, some of the, a lot of the Nike athletes were wearing these spikes or a, sort of a prototype version in Doha. There was sort of like some cushion. They were like, there's sort of a two layers on the bottom of the spike and there was sort of like a cushioning or air sack in between them or something. I don't know. It was, yeah, but none of them did really anything amazing. So I just, yeah, the women's 1500, there was nothing incredible about that, you know, or the women's 10 K. None of those times were, were remarkable. Oh gosh. Yeah, if you have some bouncy, if the track is super bouncy, I mean, that's the thing. I want like legit world records. We well, didn't talk about the pole vaults. Thank you both. Go. How many world records? I'm going to go with two as well. Well, then, I mean, I can't say two because that's what I was thinking. And I want to go under, but there's probably be more. Screw it. I'm going one. All right. While we're talking about predictions, can the loyal listeners remind us? John, I think we have a bet. I think it was $20 on Anthony Rochich making the Olympics. If anyone remembers what the bet was, please please email me, Robert at Let's Run. <laughs> Robert at Let's Run.com. Robert, that's just lazy. But. I guess if you can outsource, if someone wants, to, if someone's dedicated to look at, dedicated enough to look it up for us, by all means. Oh, and we should have listener audio. I apologize. I actually finally figured out how to check the voicemails that people have been leaving. I do get an email, but sometimes I've been really bad at email. My new, actually, my, my main news resolution is to stay on top of my emails. So there was a great email. For, we had a great voicemail, excuse me, we had from last week. 844-538-7786, 844-LET'S-RUN. Dial extension 7 to leave a voicemail, extension 3 to reach my cell phone. You can leave a message, and um, maybe we'll play some of the audio next week. Guy was very praiseworthy of the website, and me as being the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit of the website, I am the Holy Spirit, apparently. Okay. I, I agree with that. Yep. 
guys call in. Also go to Apple Podcast, five-star ratings only. Checking here. Here's another review. Hope they keep it going in 2020 as we head towards the trials and Olympics. I'm committing, guys. 2020 weekly podcast. You guys in? Let's do it. We didn't have a deleted thread of the week or thread of the week this week, but real quickly, deleted thread of the week. If the draft starts, will the Brojos go? You guys still eligible to get drafted? Aren't you kind of old? You were too old for the draft, I believe. I think the drafting age ends at 25. Is that correct, Robert? Yeah, selective service is 18 to 25. John, my grandfather, Papa, he signed up for World War II in his 40s. I will be happy to sign up for war if required. Yeah, if there's a draft, of course you go if you're drafted. I don't know if I'll be happy about it, but I'm not going to shirk my responsibility. But you don't have a responsibility. You would have to. You would have to sign up to do it, Robert. But guys, the moment everyone's been waiting for, my mother-in-law, Kathy, talking, running, track and field, unprompted. We were so pleased that she loved the Milrose games in the garden. If there's any rich benefactors out there who are just big wiggies in New York who somehow think we can get a track meet back in the garden, reach out to us. It's a fascinating interview. And she shares that Walden's family now, there's a history with the miracle on ice on national television. Yes, and some track and field history in the family as well. All right, the moment everyone's been waiting for. Mother-in-law Kathy, next. All right, people, it's a new year. We need to try some new things. Here it is, the mother-in-law segment. I am joined by my mother-in-law, Kathy. Should we reveal her real name? Kathy W. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Oops. <laughs> oh, it's still, it's still going. And she's going to... Be grilled by John and Robert to tell you everything she does or does not know about the sport of running. John and Robert, take it over. Welcome, Kathy. Thank you. Glad to be here. Well, Kathy, good to see you. Thank you, Robert. It's an Olympic year. We're obviously very excited about it here at Let'sRun.com. We're wondering what you're most excited about in 2020. Besides like the fifth, no, the sixth grandbaby coming. That's right. We're talking about sports-wise. What are you most looking forward to? First of all, do you even know where the Olympics are this year? Maybe we should start there. That's a good question. Uh, I believe they're in Japan. That is correct. All right. Ding, ding. Now, have I been interested in Olympics in the past? I certainly have. I was at the 1980 Olympics. Oh, wow. The ones the U.S. boycotted in Moscow. I was present at the 1980 Winter Olympics in Lake Placid. Oh, oh Lake Placid. All right, all right. Yeah. Did you go to the Miracle on Ice? I went to the game before and we were home. We were back home. First of all, we were up there in the Olympics for five days and they, all the news people had told you, stay home. It's not well organized. Don't go. And it was fantastic. It was one of the best events of my entire life. I always say that that was one of the top five events of my life so far. And because it was it was just incredible. And Lake Placid was just that one long street. And so we were home when that um, USA-Russia game happened. The, US, the USA game, US won. They all went to the street. Everyone took to the street in the middle of the town of Lake Placid. And Jim Lampley was the announcer then. And he, everyone was waving American flags. And he took, pulled this man out of the crowd. And he said, this is Micah Ruzioni's, and I know this is hockey, not running, Micah Ruzioni's father. And what do you think? You must be so proud. And this man is saying, it's a great day for the Americans. It's a great day for our country. And that's all he kept saying. 
And we're all dying on the floor at home because it's Larry's father that he has pulled out of the crowd. It's my father-in-law who has, who has been partying way too long. And we have a clip of Lampley pushing him back in the crowd and pulling out the correct father of Aruzioni. Oh, I thought you were just going to say that you're related to Mike Aruzioni. No, no, no. You just pulled some random guy. Random guy who happened to be my Her father-in-law. Father Her yeah. father-in-law. Yeah. Yeah. Catherine's grandfather. So that's that's my Olympic story. I love the Olympics. I watch them. I like all sports in, in the Olympics, winter and summer. Okay. So next question. Can you tell me any Olympians, who, you know, or someone who might be an Olympian in the sport of track and field this summer? Uh, let me think about that. Let me think. Weldon? Who would I tell her? <laughs> maybe give her names. Yeah. Uh, or maybe. All right. How about the guy... Did you hear about this? In October, he broke two hours for the marathon distance. He's uh, Kenyan. Anything about that? Ring a bell? Yes, I remember actually Weldon telling me, but that's all I remember. What is his name, Weldon? Elliot Kipchoge. Yes, that's exactly it. <laughs> okay, let's, let's talk about some famous people from the 70s, Americans. Which one of you is a bigger name? Frank Shorter. I know the name. Alberto Salazar or Bill Rogers? Oh. Alberto, I remember that you say it. Frank, I remember, but I don't remember Bill Rogers. Okay, Four-time Boston Marathon champion, but John, John's bias for Boston. So. Well, Frank Shorter won the Olympic gold medal in in Munich in the marathon, so that that's pretty impressive as well. So that's interesting because I certain like what years are you talking about? Seventies, you said. Yeah. For, so I would not have been paying attention to the Boston Marathon for sure. Hardly even paying attention to the New York Marathon at that time because running was just not my interest at the time. But then I raised three children and all three children ran marathons. Wow. I didn't know all three had done that. All three, which I think is a pretty neat, a neat fact in my family. Have you accepted the belief that I have now slowly come to that running is like a mental disease and it becomes an obsession or. Well, it has to, if you're going to run a marathon, that's for sure. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I, I, I do have, you know, three children that were athletic. My husband is very athletic. And for me, I, we always call it the untapped talent, but I'm an excellent coach and cheerleader. So I've watched what it takes for young children to grow into formidable athletes. And so your one your one daughter, who is now part of our family, mm-hmm. she was a lacrosse player, star lacrosse player, and field hockey, right? That's right. But what was it like when she told you she was dating a guy, and now you're going to have a guy joining the family? That how was his how was his Weldon's job described first described to you? Well, I knew that Weldon and his identical twin brother have a website, and I found out later that he was a, had won the Marine Corps Marathon. So without knowing anything about the two of you, I thought, hmm, is she marrying someone who still wants to be in the Olympics at this age? <laughs> I had no idea. And I was, I was just wondering about the you know, rate of obsession. I didn't know. So wait, when you first met him, did you think this guy could still be running you know, at a high level, that he could be the Olympics? Or- yeah. Yes, I will say yes. True story. She Googled and found an April Fool's article from like three or four years ago saying I was going to make a comeback at age 50. That's right. And I was worried. And she discussed it with Catherine. Wow. <laughs> <Damn>. <laughs> so that was part of the, uh, you know, the um, 
the work up to the wedding was the vow that <laughs> Weldon will not be running See, obsessively at age 50. But then again, I think it'd be kind of cool. So I've changed my tune. There is Now you've got a guy to root for at the trials because Bernard Lagarde is 45 years old. He's only like a couple years younger. Than, how, old, how, much, how old are you, Weldon? 46. Yeah, he's only one year younger than Weldon. And he's actually got a chance. He ran 212 in the marathon last year. He's actually got a chance to make the team. So that, that's the guy you got to root for now. I will. See, I like that. And we, there's there's room for Weijo in that. Do you, so do you ever see running on TV? What do you think running can do to be more popular? Is it just, are you bored by it? Do you watch the Olympics track and field? I have an uncle who was in the, what are the games? Melrose games. So that was exciting because it was at Madison Square Garden in New York City. And we used to go down there as young people. We have bad news for you. (laughs) The Melrose Games are no longer at Madison Square Garden. Since when? They do exist, though. Yeah, they do exist. Since 2012, they moved them up to uh, Upper Manhattan at the Armory. Well, I used to go to the Melrose Games at the Garden. And my uncle, Tim, was running in them. Um, so that, that was probably my first experience with running ever as a viewer. And, and then later on, I've, I've watched and supported the New York marathon many times, the Philly marathon, the Chicago marathon. Did did Catherine go to Paris? I feel like she did. Didn't know her then. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, Of the ones that you've supported your, your children running, what was your favorite one to see? By far New York. Oh, wow. It's a phenomenal marathon. The people, I've been in all kinds of weather watching. What's amazing is that the city is, it's just a, it's just a set of blocks. Because if you go below the opening and closing of Central Park, you know, you go below that, you never knew there was a marathon. They just have handled it so beautifully. And um, Philly was pretty because I liked it across the river. Larry went to Chicago. He said that was really a lot of back and forth walking. And it was a cold, cold, windy day when Mark and Catherine ran that together. But in New York. Together. I got to speak up for Catherine. I think she beat Mark by about 30 minutes. (laughs) Doesn't matter. Started out together. He got to the end. Anyone who gets to the end of a marathon is a hero in my book. Love you, Mark. I'm I'm curious about the Olympics. Do do you watch any of the track and field at the Olympics? And if you do, what's your favorite event and why? Who is the fellow? Is it Usain Bolt? Bolt? Yes, yeah. okay. absolutely. Yes. John, give her the bad news. I, I have more bad news. <laughs> Usain Bolt has retired. He won the last three Olympics, and he's still the world record holder. But uh, he's not going to be in Tokyo, barring an unlikely comeback. So, so who should I look for? Great. Yeah, there. I mean, in the hundred meters, there is uh, Justin Gatlin, who was actually the Olympic champion. But, I mean, Weldon saying don't root for him, but he well, he was suspend. He got caught using uh, performance enhancing drugs and was banned for four years. And now he's like thirty seven years old and still going yeah, strong. I was so. the good news is the two people most likely to to take the two gold medals, you know, he runs the 100 and the 200 are now both really young American stars. Mm-hmm. Christian Coleman is the fastest man in the 100. And this guy, Noah Lyles is kind of the one with the personality who many think is going to be the American Usain Bolt. Good. Where are they from? Coleman is from Atlanta and Noah Lyles is from Alexandria, Virginia. Oh, goodness. And yeah. so in theory, they're very young, they're very bright, big futures. 
The, do you know where the Olympics are going to be in the United States soon? Yeah, that's true. Is it uh, L.A.? Yeah, L.A. Yeah. 2028. So we have yeah. a big ramp up through that. This could be a rebirth of track and field in America. At least that's our hope. Well, you've got almost a whole decade to make that happen. Yeah. Well, and they have a, they have a world championships, too, which is kind of like we treat it like the Olympics, but the rest of the wider world doesn't really care about that. And those are going to be in the United States. Where do you think in the United States would host a world championships in track and field? <laughs> what city? Hmm. I'll pay her five hundred dollars if she gets this. <laughs> five, <laughs> four, three, Cincinnati. Two. Okay, let's <laughs> put a time of it on the money there. You know, uh, yeah, no, they're going to be in Eugene, Oregon, the booming metropolis of Eugene, Oregon, which is by far the smallest city ever to host the World Championships. Okay, yeah, the World Championships were this year when I it'll make Nike abandoned happy. your pregnant daughter and went to. She, um, she knows that you, he Nike knows what's up. Yeah, it'll make Nike happy. Yeah. When I went to Qatar, that was the World Championships this year. Oh, big difference. But I think Eugene would be fantastic. It'd be good for the States. Okay. Now, as a parent, I'm curious as to, do you have like certain sports you want the kids to do just because they're more entertaining to watch? Like people are like, oh, I bet you want your Clayton, little Clayton to run track and field. And I'm like, well, it's, the meets take all day. I'd, I'd probably prefer soccer or something like that. It might be, you know. Well, that's a good question. Our, I mean, our family favorite is basketball. And but the whole point is is you know basketball, lacrosse, soccer—they all take running skills. It's all about running skills in those sports. So fast runners, my children were fast runners, and that's why they excelled in the other sports. But to be a runner, that's a whole different head head deal. I think that's what I saw in my kids. Well, I feel like the whole plan. I I followed this path. Most athletes. Why Robert laughing? People who like sports. I wasn't laughing. Oh. <laughs> I was enjoying it. I thought okay. it was a good answer. Okay. People who like sports, they start out playing team sports. And then once they find out they're not that good at it, then they go to running as a backup plan. And that's where, like, I don't know, it feels like 90% of runners are like, yeah, I used to, I'm a failed soccer player or I'm a failed basketball player or a failed something. And then they really? become a really good runner. John, that's bad to portray runners that way. Is it inaccurate? Well, you guys, you guys, I'm sure, have failed in other sports. I was decent in other sports. I was just much better at running, so gravitated towards it. I mean, and running just seems like such an individual sport and takes so much discipline. You know, team sports like soccer or lacrosse, which both my kids, boy and girls, played. Um, you know, you've got the whole team relying on you, and you're relying on the whole team. So, I don't know. Yeah, no, we were saying that. Like, we had an argument. What is the sport, professional sport, where an amateur would be exposed the quickest? And we were saying like. Running, you'd be found out immediately as soon as the race starts. And in soccer, I could play maybe a whole soccer game. And if I just sort of run around in the middle or like run a, not exactly where the ball is and sort of stay out of the action, I think you might be able to fake your way through. Yeah, interesting. I can see how that can happen, at least in one game. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I should just quiz her about my parenting questions. Now, like, Yeah, this tell, is now a parenting podcast. Can you tell it like two and a half, like – Based on like who's the most athletic at two and a half, are they going to be the most athletic in high school or does there's no correlation between that? It really depends because I've seen it all. I, I have. I've, you know, I'm, I'm talking about my brothers and my nieces and nephews, never mind my children. And now I have a nine and a half year old grandson and he is well into playing sports. And my six and a half year old granddaughter 
is playing basketball and going to ballet. Those are what interest her. But I think it's so important, the sooner the better, put a ball in a child's hand, period. Or a track under their feet. <laughs> All right. She's got to go. You guys should have come up with a good last in- ending question, but this was pretty good. And also, look, we got the Milrose Games. We should advocate for those to go back to the garden for one time. And this is everything we've wanted on Let's Run. Yes. She's naturally supportive of the garden. We had a big campaign when they pulled it away from the garden. We were oh, furious. Oh. Well, well, the fact that you have two USA. Well, we're putting it at, why were you furious, actually? Why? Because it's the one big arena where they actually had a track meet. Now it's in a 3,000 feet arena. It's a great smaller venue, but it just shows that track isn't popular. Got it. Got it. Yes. The. Uh, but like you said, casual people go to the garden. Casual people don't go to the armory in New York. Right. Right. You know, they go see the big trucks at the garden. They would go see runners at the garden. Yes. <laughs> All right. Well, thank you. <laughs> All right. Bye, guys. Thank you, Gabby. <laughs> that was fun. I hope my family's still listening. Thank you, Kathy. And we now have feedback link in the show notes and links to the Atlanta 5K, 10K, and Half Marathon and the Can-Am XC Cup. We've got you covered. Both sides of the continent. If you're looking for a great race at the end of February, those are your two races. All right. Thank you, everyone.